2: Impact of Influence, the tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths they are linked to. Hi, friend. I am Matt Harris, and my co-host is Seton Tucker. Welcome to the Murdoch Family Murders Impact of Influence podcast. If it sounds a little different today, that is because uh, I have to be via Zoom because my wife, Amy, and my 12-year-old tested positive for COVID. I have not tested positive. I've tested negative, yay. But it's been crazy in this house, and running around trying to, uh, like Amy's, we've all been vaccinated, but Amy's pretty sick. Avery had a couple of days of feeling like a cold, but trying to contain her in uh, her room or to wear a mask every time, it's it is a challenge,
1: I bet. And your washing machine and dishwasher broke this week, too. So you've had a double. <laughs>
2: I got piles of dishes and piles of clothes. And uh, I, I, it's like it starts in the day. I have patience with my daughter. I'm like, okay, you've got to put your mask on, get your mask on, quit touching things, blah, blah, blah. And then about like two o'clock in the afternoon, it's like, Put your mask on or daddy's going to die. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't lose it. Well,
1: we're anyway. thinking about you.
2: No, it's it, I'm good. It's all good. Could be a lot worse. Um, if you want to reach out to us, I'm at MattHarrisPodcast.gmail.com. Uh, and Seton, what's our Facebook page?
1: It is Murdoch Podcast on Facebook.
2: There you go. We appreciate uh, all the love that we've been getting. We appreciate uh, the people telling us what we can do better because that's what we try to do. Uh, we have a sponsor. Before we get to the sponsor, we want to tell you what's coming up on this show, and that is John Snyder, our legal analyst, is going to be joining us in a minute. A little overview of what we're going to be talking about uh, today, uh, Seton. What, what what do we got going on?
1: So we have lots of legal stuff going on, so it was a great day to bring John in. There's been some filings from Alex attorneys. There's also, we've got some clarification on bond for Alex, so definitely a lot of Interesting stuff to talk about.
2: Yes, and some really amazing things about his uh, state of well-being. We'll get to that. But first, we want to shout out to our friends at Founders Federal Credit Union. I want to say uh, hi to Nikki and Chris and the gang for uh, reaching out and wanting to be part of this program and this uh, podcast. So let's give them a little love now.
1: Would you love to lower your existing auto loan rate by 1%? Look no further than Founders Federal Credit Union. Refinance your current auto loan, and we will beat your existing rate by 1%. Plus, make no payments for 90 days. Boats, motorcycles, and recreational vehicles are included.
2: We're talking a lot about boats in this episode. I don't know if they got this right. Never mind. Whether it's for the car you drive daily or the boat that's reserved for the weekends, an auto loan from Founders Federal Credit Union, a smart and affordable way to pay. Founders features flexible terms, low rates, fast, friendly service, and 24-hour account access with Founders Online and the Founders App.
1: Relax with Founders. Don't miss out. Apply today at foundersfcu.com backslash auto or at an office near you.
2: Terms and conditions apply. Membership qualification required. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Current auto loan must be with another financial institution. He is backed by popular demand. He is our legal analyst, former DA, and former defense attorney, John Snyder, a uh, lot of things happening since we did our last episode. to uh, begin with three legal things that came down.
1: Yes, so we had a partial satisfaction of judgment, which gave Randy Murdoch, Alex's brother, $46,000. We also have a confession of judgment, which gives Alex's former law partner, Parker, Four hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars, and then after those two things, we got a motion for emergency order staying enforcement of confession of judgment, which was filed by the co-receivers. So, John, can you break this down for us?
0: Yes, we are now deep in the woods of Nerd Lawyer Nerdville. If there's a dispute between a party and the person who is owes money, agrees that they completely owe money, they They put a sheet of paper into the courthouse called a confession of judgment, which is, I agree that I owe this amount. That then gets recorded as a judgment. Those are now secured debts, just like a mortgage. So a mortgage gets recorded at the Register of Deeds. It's down at the courthouse. Judgments get recorded at the courthouse, and they show up on your title when they're doing a title search. So. What this does is it puts the people that Alex owed money to at the front of a line of any disputes or liquidation of his estate. Now we see that happening. The receiver who now has the full power to act as Alex's, you know, financial um daddy for life of a better word, <laughs> yeah. they're they're in charge of their finances. They say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't you can't do a confession of judgment without our approval. And so that's that's what the petition is. And, and the reason is Alex is out there picking winners and losers over who's going to get what of his estate.
2: Right. So I guess. So, in other words, when when his brother Randy and his law firm Parker, they want to jump to the front of the line. And they want, so they they file these official papers, and they would go in front of even say the Satterfields, maybe right?
0: They would go in front of everybody who has a who has not yet gotten a judgment, and then uh. if Alex decided to file bankruptcy, a bankruptcy dissolution of the estate would put them at the front of the line or make sure they get paid. Now it mm. might be pennies on the dollar, but they're still ahead of all the people that don't have a judgment at the time of filing bankruptcy.
2: Gotcha. Okay. So for the beaches, in front of the Satterfields, any, any, any civil case that comes
0: down the pike, they're in front of. Okay.
1: Do you think that it is likely that this motion will go through?
0: Well, it's interesting. So they have the ability to dictate what happens with his finances, but they don't have a power of attorney where they can limit his legal rights. And so I don't know that they'll be successful. This is absolutely the right motion to have filed, but mm-hmm. but he has a right to say, I'm guilty, which is essentially what a confession of judgment is.
2: I gotcha. I gotcha. So he admits and, to owing it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so you've got this, like, you've got these two, he still has all his ability to make legal decisions, which a confession of judgment is. The mm-hmm. receiver has a right to say how things should be spent and how things should go. So the court, the court will determine whether this is a legal decision or a financial decision. Gotcha.
1: Island Packett came out with an article this week where they said that the bond for the alleged murder-suicide plot appeared online before the hearing, and the clerk has responded and said this was an error. So let's talk about how this is possible, and do you think it was an error?
0: I I think this is maybe one of the most clear indications of home cooking and what other people would call straight out corruption, that you had a bond set without consulting the prosecutor. And the only reason it's an issue is because they got caught. And so when you read the responses of the people that did this, they're like, oh, it's no big deal, you know. It it was an error, but it's never happened before. Or, oh, it's not a big deal. It happens all the time. Except it does happen all the time when the prosecutor and the defense lawyer are talking. And they've usually already talked to a judge. So this is one of those things that confirms, uh, you know, all the people that that believe there's a grand conspiracy. This is a pretty good piece of evidence towards that.
1: How could it be an error? I mean, they, they had the bond amounts, exactly what was given. So it wasn't like they just put some random amounts; they all matched up.
0: And uh, right, and they and they were for. There's no other like a clerical error that it was for some other case doesn't work because there's nothing else on the docket.
2: Right, they look to it, and try to find something that was similar, and it's not there. I am amazed that they're just trying to pass this off. So, like you said, that the defense and uh, the prosecution can get together and agree on something. But then they don't go through the rigmarole of being in front of the judge, right? It just, it's done. Yeah, we accept what you said. I accept what you said, right? That can happen.
0: Yeah, so if one of your kids got arrested at 10 o'clock at night and you don't want them to spend the night in jail, your lawyer would call a DA and get them on the phone and say, hey, can we get a bond set right now so that I can go get, you know, little Jimmy out of out of jail yeah. tonight? That's totally normal because the magistrate's going to say... What did the state say? And right. did, you, did you talk to the state? Or you get the DA and a judge on the phone, and the judge will call down and say, set the bond at this. Never does it happen without the, the, the prosecution having some input. That's not being above board and above reproach.
2: Is it possible that they reached a deal, but they also wanted to, for lack of a better term, perform in front of the judge and get some things on record, or at least in the public's mind, to help a case down the line.
0: The prosecution said we, we never agreed to a bond till the okay. hearing.
2: And that's true. And they so, weren't gonna lie.
0: Yeah. And there is huge connection between, I'm not picking on a political party, but these folks are all friends and all in the same political party. And they've all helped each other get elected. They've all helped each other. Stay in office.
2: Well, I'll tell you the tie-in. The judge's brother-in-law, Judge Alexander, who was doing the bond hearing. Uh, her, Judge Alexander's brother-in-law is Chief Alexander, running for Hampton County Sheriff, running unopposed. Right. Uh, he's he's raised twenty thousand dollars. Six thousand was from members of Alec Murdoch's former law firm. A thousand from his brother Randy, a, a company affiliated with Murdoch's older brother John Marvin it a couple hundred bucks as well uh, and you know the argument that they make is everybody's connected to everybody, but good Lord man, it's amazing how everybody's connected to everybody, and it doesn't necessarily again not necessarily mean there's there's heinous uh illicit things going on, but geez, can you know anybody else? <laughs> it's
0: crazy well, well even if there was nobody else like you just go through and get the solicitor to agree to it beforehand, yeah,
1: yeah. Could the judge face some sort of um, reprimand for this?
0: I would imagine they'll swear up and down that this is, you know, witch hunt or some political agenda, but it stinks. It happens every once in a while. Like if you can't get the DA on the phone and it is little Jimmy, you're going to probably, a magistrate's probably going to agree to it. Hmm. But in a case this serious, with all the other issues surrounding this case, it just seems not to pass the smell test and set in setting a bond without talking to the the prosecution this time.
2: Okay, let's move to um, another amazing development. Uh, South Carolina judge has denied Alec Murdoch bond. I mean, he's going to remain bars, at least for the time being. We'll get to the appeal in a second. The evaluation, the psychiatric evaluation was submitted. And according to Judge Clifton Newman, he wrote that Alec Murdoch is a danger to himself and others. Wow.
1: Yes. And so Griffin, his attorney, respectively, disagreed with it. And they were looking at legal options, which we'll get to later. Bland responded to some of it. He said that he thinks Alec is still a clear and present danger to the community and himself. He hasn't seen the psychiatric evaluation, but he said since the original bond hearing, Alec had taken financial actions which clearly show that he has no respect for the judicial process, legitimate creditors, and victims of his criminal activities.
2: I want to point out that when you're referring to Bland, it's Eric Bland, who is the attorney for the Gloria Satterfield estate, Gloria Satterfield, uh, the housekeeper and nanny that uh, fell down the stairs to her death uh, a few years ago, and Alec is accused of embezzling the money that should have gone to her heirs and that's who Eric Bland represents when she talks about Bland that's who she's talking about.
1: We have to put out of his statement I think this is he always has epic quotes and this one he says Alec Murdoch will no longer be receiving favorable treatment but will be drinking from the same cup of justice as other charged criminals in the state drink from.
2: Your initial response when you see this uh, John and I know there's many repercussions and ripple effects that will go down the line when it comes to civil suits and criminal suits but what hits you in the head when you see this i
0: think the judge may have done a not an improper order but an incomplete order that will give the defense enough basis to appeal and and i think they've already entered their notice of appeal to have the courts review it Mm -hmm. um the big issue here is he didn't make any findings of fact. He made a general statement about, I believe him to be a danger, but he doesn't say why. And so that in and of itself could make it an incomplete order. Uh,
2: what Alex's uh, attorneys are saying is that, you know, habeas corpus, you're basically keeping somebody in jail uh, without really an official reason right is that what i'm saying
0: that's what they're saying they're saying the judge departed from the normative standard for bond in a quote white collar case and has made a kind of a sweeping statement about him being a danger to himself and to society without any specific findings
2: gotcha because he doesn't review he doesn't say what was actually in the psychiatric finding so that makes sense. And also, now we know that it is going to the South Carolina Supreme
1: Court. Yes. Um, they do say that talking about the psychiatrist who evaluated him does did not find that he was a danger to himself or the community. Yeah.
2: So in the filings, we find, of course, we mentioned that the judge does not release any of the findings. But in the filing to the Supreme Court, Griffin and Harpoollian disclosed uh, the psychiatrist psychiatrist is Dr. Donna Maddox. And their quote is: Dr. Maddox did not find that Murdoch is a danger to himself or to the community. Uh, the petition said Maddox did diagnose Murdoch with severe opioid disorder. And you know, he's been in treatment, of course. Maddox also recommended that Murdoch continue receiving treatment at a residential facility for an additional eight to 10 weeks, then in intensive outpatient treatment. And that petitioner received grief counseling and trauma therapy. So that is been released in their Supreme Court filing. And also, they say in the filing, the offense is not a capital offense, is not punishable by life in prison, and is not a violent offense as defined by the General Assemblies. As a result, the South Carolina Constitution guarantees Murdoch the right to pre trial release upon posting reasonable bond. A lot to take in there, and then it goes into not having guns and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, John, does that clear things up a little bit in their filing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what the basis of their appeal is, which is the judge judge said, I'm going to review this stuff, and then I'm going to make a decision based on the evidence I'm given. And then the judge is given evidence and reaches a different conclusion and doesn't make any findings in his order. And so I think they've got a pretty good uh, basis for having their appeal granted on these grounds. Gotcha.
1: Just out of curiosity, how long will this appeal take? In my mind, those things kind of take a long time, but he's still in jail. Will they speed it up or how long do you think?
0: They'll speed it up because it's a it's a kind of like a habeas corpus. It's a, a immediate and emergency issue. The only thing that will remediate it is for the court to review it. Also, it went right to the Supreme Court because they have original jurisdiction. And so their job is to hear cases like this quickly.
2: And if you want to get uh, crazy with connections again, (laughs) Donna Maddox, psychiatrist in South Carolina, legal community, knows her, been in a bunch of big criminal trials around the state. She's the wife of a state judge, Cordell Maddox of Anderson. So there we go again. (laughs) Somebody's always connected to somebody in this story. Who knows if, if Alec was ever in front of him or not? I, I I don't know, but it's just still crazy that every time we turn around, somebody's connected to a judge or a police chief or a, who Well, knows.
0: unlike the stuff that's going on in Hampton County, this psychiatrist is probably the, the best one in the state. Mm-hmm. And and she's not going to throw her professional reputation away from no. one client or one. No. You, know, you know what I mean? Like it was always this thing. We had a case where we had a, a Harvard professor who was the the psychological expert in a murder case. And even though he was a hired gun, he was a Harvard professor. So he naturally wasn't going to give the wrong answer just to help one, one, right. one client right. or yeah. one patient.
2: Yeah, yeah, I probably should have made that more clear. It doesn't necessarily mean something uh, elicited or, or crazy is going on. However, it's just always bizarre that anytime you bring up a name, <laughs> they're, they're, they're connected just the way South Carolina is. And it doesn't mean anything bad. It's just the way it is, right?
1: Uh, Bland and Richter respond, this case and crimes are unique. Ordinary bond rules are not applicable in our view. So I just kind of wanted to get your take on that.
0: You know, they're saying that hard cases make bad law. And so, you know, they, they want to see him kind of punished and, and they're starting to make bonds seem like it's a punitive thing. I believe that's going to be a losing argument for them. And I'm sure in their careers, they've made the opposite argument lots of times about why bond rules should be applied uniformly. And, and I believe that. Even if you don't like what the outcome is, you've got to follow what the system is. And if the system says, normally in a case like this, you'd get bonds, you get bond. mm-hmm. and, and I get bonds. I, I think their argument's a little you know, they're, they're going a little bit overboard in their argument, no, nothing to do with the merits of their argument. I just think it's appropriate. Um, if everybody else gets bond in a case, he shouldn't get special treatment, good or bad. He should get uniform treatment. That's, that's what the justice system should be is where things are applied fairly and without regard to who somebody is, but, but looking at what they've done and what, what the law is on what they've done.
2: Thank you, John.
1: Thank you. Thanks guys. Love being with you.
2: Good luck in your meeting. Bye. 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 All right. So we're wrapping up. John did a great job again. Thank you, John. And thanks to all who have reached out and commented and given us five stars and shared this podcast and given us great notes to work on so we can get better every single time. At least that's our hope. And if you want to reach out to us, Seton, what do they do?
1: You can reach us at Murdoch Podcast on Facebook. And
2: we will talk soon. Did you guys
1: hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident.
2: Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is
1: Slaycation. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland news producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today, wherever you get your favorite shows.